0: Let's now jump into God's Word. This week, we're really going to go deep into the issue of conflict. We began that discussion last week in the book of James and talked about um, why conflict exists, why we have quarrels. But we really felt as a teaching team and and even my heart just really felt passionate about recognizing that that we need to go a little bit deeper into this issue because it's not just good enough on this road to completion that we're trying to gain to to kind of understand where quarrels come from. We also recognize that many of us find ourselves in the midst of quarrels all the time. And the question then comes how do we get ourselves out of that? How how do we find resolution to those quarrels? And so we're going to be engaging that discussion today very specifically. So while I'm going to be hitting on some things specifically in the book of James. Our text for this morning actually is in the book of Romans. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to invite Kinley Goss up. Kinley is going to be reading for us out of God's word. Uh, This is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Would you please stand with me if you're able, out of respect for God's word? And we're going to have Kinley read for us this morning. Kinley, pass it off to you.
1: Okay. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good.
0: Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat and join me in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this morning, this opportunity that we have to gather together. And, and Lord, as we come to this, uh, this topic, this text of, about conflict, uh, all we have to do is open our eyes and look around our world. Conflict is everywhere. Um, it's in the news. It's on the world stage. But I know it goes even more personal than that. It, it's in our lives. It's in our homes. It's in our relationships with those that we work with. It's in those that we live with, those that we love the most. This, this issue comes all the time. And, Lord, we know that it's not the way it's supposed to be, that we're to live in peace with one another, that we're to seek peace And so, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, I want to just pray that you would give us eyes to see. Father, that you would give us ears to hear. Father, that you would give us spiritual wisdom and understanding to look at these things. And, Lord, that you might help us as your people to walk in such a way that allows us to find peace and restoration and reconciliation, all of which we know bring glory to you. And, Lord, we know that for that to happen... You need to do a work in us, and that's not always easy. And so Lord, I pray over the next few moments that we would be a people submitted to your word, a people who um, have listening ears, that are willing to repent, people who are willing to step into the calling that you've given to us. Um, Lord, certainly speak through me, weak vessel this morning. Um, Give me your words, um, Lord, and just pray that those would sit into our hearts and that they would be grown up by your Spirit into full maturity. Uh, Lord, just pray all these things in the wonderful, beautiful, and precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so first of all, I just want to say welcome, kiddos that are typically in our kids' ministry. We're glad that you're here this morning. Um, uh, If you were in and you got crowns and stuff to draw and to color and all that, don't let your parents take them from you. Um, I don't want to see any of you adults using crowns right now uh, to take notes, uh, but nonetheless, we're glad you're here. Um, I just want to say to you kids. Uh, so look at me real quick. If you are, are one of the kids that's normally in the kids' mission, don't you to look at me real quick. Like we love you, and you're a part of the church. Um, and you belong here, and we're super glad you're here. Even though we know you can be a little wiggly sometimes, that's okay. Um, we're, we're okay with that because we want you to be able to see um, what worship is and, and be a part of worship um, with your family. So we're super glad you are here. Now, with that being said, yep, you can clap for those kids. Absolutely. And for all of the volunteers that normally love on your kids, who are normally that are, get to be in here this morning. So that's awesome as well. But we know, that, listen, when we get to the issue and the topic of conflict, Like, as I already prayed this morning, we already talked about, we see that conflict is something we all find ourselves in, wherever we are. So kids, you find it maybe in your schools. Students, you may find it in your high schools, in your junior highs, in your elementary schools. You may find it with other kids that you're playing with. We find it in our workplaces, as I've already prayed. Like, conflict is all over the place. Listen, fact of the matter is, you might be sitting next to someone right now this morning you're in conflict with. Like, that's the reality of it. Like, they may be right here in this room. Some of you got up this morning hoping you were gonna go to church in peace and yet there was conflict because you tried to get one of your kids ready or the spouse was a little bit too slow getting into the car and whatever that looks like, we know conflict's a part of all of our lives. It marks much of our lives. In fact, I know there's marriages in this room right now that are marked more by conflict than they are by peace. And here's the thing that we need to recognize: that in this, uh, in our desire to walk faithfully as Christians, Jesus doesn't want us to walk and live in a space of conflict in our lives. Like Jesus came came to bring peace, not only between us and God, but also within our own relationships with each other. And so we're going to take a look at some things regarding conflict today. But I want to start with recognizing what our expectation is, and who God calls us to be. And it was right there in Romans chapter 12, specifically in verse 18, where it says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, stop there, if possible, so far as it depends on you, not the one you're in conflict with, not your spouse, but as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We as Christians, have the responsibility to pursue peace as far as it depends on us in all our relationships. So husbands, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your wife. Wife, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your husband. Kids, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your parents, with your friends at school, with your teachers. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with those that God has put around you, particularly brothers and sisters in the church. Amen? Uh, like particularly here, as we look across this space. And he, we, here's what we know. We recognize that there are going to be times that peace cannot be found. And oftentimes, we realize that that's because we're not all trying to find peace. I uh, see so you may be trying to find peace, but the other person in a conflict that you're with isn't trying to find peace. They may be trying to find their own way. They may be trying to to convince you of their way. They may be trying to make you and prove you to be wrong, but they're not seeking peace. And so peace at times is really, really hard to find. And we're going to talk about how we can engage that. But, But for us, we are to seek peace. Everyone in the midst of conflict. Both parties are to seek peace. So what are we supposed to do? When we find ourselves in conflict, not if we find ourselves in conflict, but when we find ourselves in conflict, what are we supposed to do? There's seven points that I want to lay out this morning that I think are biblically given to us, a lot of which are anchored here in Romans chapter 12, to help us understand how we can be people who seek to resolve conflict. Now in that though, There's one key part of that that's in each of these points, but I didn't set it aside as a specific point, which is this. In every single one of these, there's going to be times you need help. So you may need someone else to come in and help you in the midst of conflict. Like a lot of these are really hard for us to actually do. And so you need others to come into the conflict to be a mediator, to be someone who helps you hear the other party, someone who helps you see and understand how they're feeling. So all of this requires help, most of which needs to come from the Spirit of God. Amen? Like we need that. So we're going to jump right in. How can we be a people who seek to resolve conflict? Well, the first point is the most important of all of them, and it's the only one that needs to be kind of number one on top, and it's this. Conflict resolution starts with abiding in Jesus, period. If we are not abiding in Jesus, we are going to have a hard time finding resolution to any conflict. Look what Romans twelve nine says. It says, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Listen, we know what love is. I could probably ask the kids in this room to kind of tell me what love is. And based on 1 Corinthians 13, they're probably going to say things like, love is patient and love is kind and love does not boast. It, It keeps no records of wrong. Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. Like this is what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us to do. We can't love like that apart from Jesus. Like, we can't. Like I might be able to love somebody who's being really nice to me that way for a season. I might be able to love someone who agrees with me that way for a season. But when it comes to living a life of love, I, you, we, none of us can do that apart from Jesus. We can't do that on our own especially when it comes to thinking about loving those that seek to hurt us, those that are enemies to us, those that we disagree with. And if you remember last week, in James chapter four, we talked about some of these things. And remember what he said, he read this text, James chapter four, it says, "'Submit yourselves therefore to God.'" Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. These words, submit yourselves to God, draw near to God, like that sounds a lot like abiding in him, doesn't it? Like we are to be submitted first and foremost to God. Like Our lives, it's no longer about our way. It's no longer about us doing the things we want to do. And if two people who are believers in Jesus Christ, and that's where I'm going to start, I know that's not all of our conflict, but if two people who are believers in Jesus Christ are both seeking to submit themselves to God first and draw near to God, and then let the fruit of that relationship be part of the conflict, then peace, there's hope for that. There's hope for peace, isn't there? Because we're all dependent upon His grace and mercy. None of us are perfect. We all need it in every single one of our relationships. And we all need humility. We all need to be reminded that we oftentimes stand in the wrong. And we oftentimes are also needing a confession of sin and repentance. And so if you can come into a conflict, resting in the work of Jesus Christ to bring grace and mercy to you where you recognize your own sinfulness that you need to confess those sins and turn from those sins, then when you come into conflict with others, you can carry that same spirit into the conflict. We should all carry that spirit into any and every single conflict that we find ourselves in. None of us are perfect. I know in the conflict you had with your wife or your husband, you thought you were perfect. You weren't. Like there's something there. Like there's something in that space for you to look at yourself and be like, okay, how can I change? And and how can I let the Lord speak to me? And how can I be open to what he is doing in my life? We need to adopt this stance of humility and repentance founded upon the work of Jesus Christ. It all starts here for every single one of us. You will find that resolution to any conflict, while it may be hard, unless you are abiding in Christ, not only is it hard, it's impossible. But if you're abiding in Christ, if you're both abiding in Christ, and you're seeking to bear that fruit, then reconciliation is always on the table because he reconciled us to the Father, amen? I hope you see that as your identity. So we start there. The second point I make is this. Conflict resolution requires the pursuit of understanding. There's a verse in Romans chapter 12 that we read this morning that Kinley read for us. Um, Verses 15 and 16 says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. How can you rejoice with someone who's rejoicing and weep with someone who's weeping if you're not trying to understand and empathize with their situation and their way of seeing things and the feelings they have. One of the things that happens so often in conflict is when we're trying to fight one another and trying to convince people of our opinions or do things in the way we want to do is that we stop, We, we fail to stop and pause and try to understand the perspective of the other person because we think we're right. We think that we're wise in our own eyes. And this scripture is reminding us, you know, like we're to, we're to empathize. We're to try to get in the shoes of those other people. In fact, Romans chapter 14 puts it this way. Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. So when you're in a conflict with somebody, and I know you all don't have to think very hard about that maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a kid, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody at work, somebody at church, whatever it is, when you're in conflict with somebody, are you pursuing the things that make for peace? Are you pursuing a mutual upbuilding in a way where you're trying to find out their hearts, understand their thoughts, their point of view? This is really important for us. And so just some tips, some very practical tips for you to think about when it comes to when you find yourself in conflict and how are you trying to understand the person that is around you. You need to ask some questions. Ask, how can I think differently about this issue? How can I think differently? Not trying to force them to think differently about this issue. How can you think differently about this issue? How can, you try to, how, how can you try to see it from their perspective? How can how you try to get into their shoes and understand like, what's going on from their point of view? How can I hear what they're really saying? Well, this one's really hard, right? Because sometimes somebody will act out in a certain way and they'll say a certain thing, but that's not really what they're saying. They're, they're, they're really saying, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm scared. Or I'm insecure? How can you try to understand what they're really saying and and, and what they're acting out or what they're doing? What is it that I'm saying and how is it making them feel? Uh, This is important, isn't it? Like when you get into a conflict with somebody and you're speaking and you're trying to talk, you're trying to address issues, are you aware that the words that you say actually have an impact on the people that you're talking to? And sometimes that impact isn't what you intended. And so we need to be aware, like, are the things that we say making someone that we're in conflict with feel a certain way? I, I remember when Karen and I first got married, um, like, um, we grew up in very different homes. Um, I grew up in a home where, man, when you uh, had a conflict with someone, you, you let it out. Like, you said it. Like it wasn't in disrespectful ways, but you, you talked it out and, and you could get passionate. And as you can tell, when I talk, I get that way. Well, Karen, that wasn't the best for her. And I didn't realize that sometimes the things I was saying was making her feel ways that I didn't want her to feel. And I need to understand that. And so we need to ask that question. How is what I'm saying making them feel? What is the source of my view? Like we've talked about this. We're all kind of products of our lives and what we view and what we think. What's the source of why you feel the way you feel? What's the source for what you think and why you see this thing that way? But then you need to ask the question in your own heart, what's the source for their view? What's the source for why they think the things that they think? So one of the dangers when we get into conflict, we're really afraid to try to start asking these questions because we feel that if we come to a place where we understand their perspective, that somehow we validate that perspective. That's not always the case. Like, like you can understand what someone is coming from and you can understand why they feel the way that they feel. You can understand why they think the things that they think without agreeing with those things. Like, it doesn't make you say, oh, I, I, okay, see, I, I agree with you now. But, but if you are in a conflict and you can't with gentleness and love articulate the other person's point of view, then you probably haven't done enough work. If you can't say like, okay, I understand what you're doing. I understand what you're thinking. And and let me try to rehash that and share that out. Like you probably haven't done enough work to understand that perspective. And listen, this is hard stuff. This is hard things for us to do because a lot of times, like we don't want to show someone honor in the midst of conflict by trying to understand them. We just want to get our way. We want to push them into a corner. And this, of course, as we've already talked about in James, this requires one of the hardest things for us to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Uh, think about the conflict right now in Israel. How much of slow to speak, slow, quick to listen, and slow to anger do we see? I mean, it's, it's, listen, it's everywhere. And people just want to spout out like hatred and what they think and try to crush the other person. Like this is this is the way it is in all of our conflicts, even down to the ones in our homes. We need to be a people who seek to understand the other person. Again, doesn't validate the right, but to understand it. Third point is this: conflict resolution seeks to kill pride. Pride serves self period. And more often than not, pride is at play and is in the middle and in the midst of most conflict. We want to be right. We think we are right. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 12. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You might ask, what does this verse have to do with pride? Well, let me ask this question. Who is our example that we are supposed to live like? Okay, I heard a couple of people. Jesus. Jesus is our example for how we're supposed to live. How did Jesus serve the Lord? How, how did the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords serve the Father? By humbling himself. But by taking the nature of a servant, like think of how Jesus served the Lord. Think of how Jesus served Judas who betrayed him. Like he washed his feet. Like Jesus was the perfect example of taking his pride and laying it down on the ground and serving those that would be most considered his enemies. Like he died for you and for me when we were still his enemies. He didn't just give us, something that cost him a little bit, it cost him his life. And part of humbling ourselves is seeing in him the the service of humility that he grants and that he walks in. where We are willing to lay down our own agendas, to lay down our own rights and look to the agendas and the rights of others, even in the midst of conflict. Listen, this is gonna be a hard statement. Sometimes this means seeking humility over being right. Sometimes it means seeking humility over being right. As followers of Jesus, there are times when being right is not the most important thing. Some of you may be able to handle that easier than others. That's hard for me because I like to be right. But sometimes being right is not the most important thing. Sometimes the sake of the relationship and peace. Now listen, we're not talking about gospel issues. We're not talking about truth issues. We don't bend on those things. But, but other times, being right is not the most important thing. But there's also times in conflict where no one's right. Have you ever experienced that in your homes? I'll, I'll give you an example of a time where that happened. Karen and I Um, Many of you know, we adopted a little girl um, from China five years ago. We're coming up on six now, Um, phenomenal little girl, so grateful to have her in our home. Um, But when we were praying about going through with that adoption, um, really early on in the stages of that, um, like there was conflict between my wife and I, because she felt extremely strongly from the Lord, like adopt, 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 like that's what she was hearing. And I was hearing, as I was seeking the Lord, and as I was seeking his wisdom, I heard, hold up, hold up. Like, wait, this isn't the time. This isn't the time. So guess what? There was conflict. And the reality of it is, over the months of us kind of having conversations and engaging in that conflict, here's what we found out at the end of the day. Neither of us were wrong. We were both right that the Spirit of God was speaking to both of us in very unique ways to get to the right decision. We were absolutely supposed to adopt. We just weren't supposed to do it at that moment because God had ordained for Jade to be in our home. And so we were waiting. So he was speaking to both of us. Karen was driving us forward into the adoption process and and he was using um, the spirit of God in me to kind of push the brakes a little bit so that we would hit that perfect timing. So here's the thing. Sometimes neither of us are right. Sometimes you can both be pursuing the Lord and seeing a different perspective and God using that to get you to a good and right solution. So here's the thing. We need to be recognizing that being right is not always the right thing. It's not always the goal. One more thing to say here about pride. Many people go into relationships, they go into marriages, they go into circumstances to get something that will make them happy. I'm going to this thing because it's gonna give me something, it's gonna meet my needs. Man, listen, there's a lot of people that go to church to get something to make them happy. And here's what we know in all realities, that when those expectations are not met and you don't get the things you thought you were going to get out of that relationship, guess what happens? Conflict. Conflict begins to boil because we feel frustrated that we're not getting out of this thing what we felt like we should get. And so we begin to manipulate and use tools in our lives. So in marriages, this can begin to look like conflict over spending money or intimacy or I'm not going to talk to you, trying to force the relationship to kind of be realigned back into a place where it it gets what I want to get from it. This This is a prideful thing. I'm so grateful Jesus didn't come into the relationship with me to try to get something from me because I wasn't able to give him anything. Like he he didn't do that. He just said, I'm gonna lay myself down for you. I'm gonna give of myself for you without condition. And this is grace and it's mercy and it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the same thing can happen even within the church We go to the church and we say, well, listen, if you do this, or if it doesn't meet my expectations, I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to stop giving or whatever that is. Like This is not how we are to conduct ourselves. We are not to manipulate situations to try and make those things meet our expectations. Instead, we're to kill our pride and to view ourselves and our wisdom and look for God's solution in the conflict. Sometimes this may mean like turning tables like Jesus did sometimes it may mean that we lay ourselves down and we let ourselves be humbled. And we need to be mindful of that and be willing to allow that to happen. Point four, conflict resolution requires that we lean into our roles. Now, this can be particularly difficult, especially in this culture and especially in this world. But in the midst of any conflict, if there's a time where you can't come to an agreement Sometimes there's a place to lean into the roles in which you find yourself. So let me give you an example. Say you're in this church and you're in conflict with another person in this church and you guys, you just can't, you just can't come to a resolution in your house church or your gospel life class. Um, maybe it's you're in the school or whatever it is. And so um, you're, you're struggling with that resolution and, and you end up going to the elders and these are godly men who have the qualifications, biblically, of eldership, and they're praying and they're seeking the Lord, and you go to them, and they end up making a decision that doesn't agree with you. Will you lean into the roles that God has established for those elders as the men who God has put over the leadership of that church, or will you fight it? Will you run from it? Now, sometimes we need to lean into those roles, right? Right? So if you're a kid in school and you're in conflict and you can't find resolution with that other kid that's in the school you go to the teacher you go to the principal and they make a decision and you have to lean into the authority that God has put over you if you're at work and you're in conflict with a coworker you might have to go to your boss and lean into the authority of the of your boss that God has put over you now we don't like that because we don't like authority but do we not believe as Christians that God has put authority over us? Absolutely he does. And absolutely he has. And we are to lean into that unless that authority leads us to do something that is unbiblical or against his calling or his law or his nature, amen? Otherwise, sometimes we lean into that. This should be the way it is in our homes. Right? Like we should lean into the roles. And again, I know this is an un- uncomfortable topic, and one we're going to talk about at the beginning of the year in 2024. But in a marriage, if a husband is truly and consistently living a life submitted first and foremost to the will of God, and is truly living a life of consistently seeking the good of his wife and his family and his kids over his own, loving, seeking to love his family the way Christ has loved the church in a biblical way, then when resolution cannot be reached, then submission to the headship of his uh, his home should be part of the discussion. It should be an opportunity where the husband and the wife are talking and she is submitting her ideas, submitting her wisdom, submitting her feelings to that discussion. And the husband is doing the same as brothers and sisters equal in Christ, seeking to come to a conclusion. And if on a rare occasion you can't come to a conclusion together, then the husband should lean into his headship and and the, the wife should have no problems doing so because she knows that her husband cares only about her and the family and his, their, their kids and the home and he has consistently laid himself down for that home and so she trusts him and she believes that he's gonna seek the best and she believes he is submitted to the Lord. We should be able to do that. Unfortunately, we know that that's not always the way homes work, right? Husbands aren't always leaning into their roles the way God has called them to. This is the reality. We should have opportunities at times to lean into those roles. And and I just need to say here real quick, husbands, this starts with you. To love your wives like Christ did, always. In every decision, you lay yourself down and you elevate her. You elevate your family over yourself, your agenda, your rights, your rest, everything. Like you were to put yourself below them and if you're unwilling to do that, there's gonna be massive conflict and you're sinning. And here's the thing, and I'm not trying to pick on guys here, but listen, if we're gonna say that we're to be the heads of the household, it starts there. It starts there. You say, well, my wife doesn't do this. And my wife. So what? Jesus doesn't say love your wife the way Christ loved the church unless she doesn't love you back the way you think she should. That is never in the scripture. You love your wife like Christ loved the church, Period. It doesn't matter. Like, that's our call. And that's where it starts in the home. And that's an important thing. Like, your kids should see that in you. Your daughters should be looking for men that will love them the way you have laid yourself out for your family. Have laid yourself out. And if that's the case, then the wife will trust you. On the rare occasion, you don't agree. And like I said, when when you're doing that together, seeking to be brothers and sisters first, like this happens rarely. At least it has in my home. Like We can come to a conclusion more often than not. So, conflict resolution oftentimes requires us to lean into the roles that God has given to us. Point five, conflict resolution is willing to let go of vengeance. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord, this is hard because there's a lot of times where I'm in the midst of conflict and I'm not getting what I think is their just desserts in that. I, like, I feel like they should be getting more punishment, more, more vindication or something should be coming upon them. i like, listen, like we're not supposed to do that. God is the one who is faithful in the midst of all of his, his all of conflict to ultimately bring about justice and to bring about vengeance. I said, so this is really hard especially if you feel like you've been wronged. But yet this is what the scripture calls us to. You may have a spouse or a friend or a brother or a sister that for whatever reason, they're not seeking the Lord and they're, at, they're acting in ungodly ways that's causing harm and difficulty. You can find peace by trusting the Lord to vindicate you and to bring vengeance upon that person if it's so necessary. Like, listen, you can still want justice without vengeance, Right? There's a difference between those two things. Uh, So think about kids. I don't know if you've ever been in that space where you're building something out of Legos and your sibling comes over and like kicks it, right? Justice is going to your mom and dad and being like, mom and dad, like my brother just kicked my Lego set. Can you take care of this? Vengeance is pushing your sibling on the ground and running over to their Lego set and going, right? That's vengeance. Vengeance. Like in a home, when you're talking to your spouse and you guys are in conflict and your spouse says something that injures you, justice is seeking for them to understand that and to say apologize for that and repent of that and confess. Vengeance is saying, ooh, I'm going to say something hurtful just to hurt them back. We're not to do that in conflict. And that's hard because especially in the midst of conflict, don't we like to get them back? Don't we like to throw another punch? Don't we like to throw another jab to hurt the person? because we feel a sense of power in that, a sense of vindication in that. Listen, this scripture is saying that we are to not avenge ourselves. That's hard, we're to trust the Lord. It's really, really hard. Now, point six, and some of you may be going like, but what about, and I'll get to that here in a second. Point six tells us this, the conflict resolution always aims for restoration. Second, Second Corinthians thirteen eleven says: Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. If your aim is to win, you're in trouble. If your aim is to push down the one that you're in conflict, you're in trouble. If your aim is to corner somebody with your argumentation, you're in trouble. Like if you refuse to look at yourself, you're in trouble. Your aim, my aim in conflict should always be restoration. But here's the kicker to that idea. I don't mean necessarily restoration back to what things were. I mean restoration to the way God wants them to be. All right? So let me me give you an example. So let me say, and, and just as a hypothetical, say that you're in a relationship where there's abuse and there's verbal abuse or there's emotional abuse, or God forbid there's physical abuse. Like restoration doesn't force you to just be a doormat and seek peace and let that continue to happen to you because that's not restoration. Because God didn't intend that in your marriage. Like that's broken and it's sin. So restoration and seeking restoration might mean that you need to get out of that for a season Get help, and, and so that you can actually reestablish the relationship over time and see your relationship become what God intended it to be, not back to just living underneath it. Right? So, so restoration doesn't always mean that it's just like, oh, we're just all going to live in peace. Sometimes restoration is a really hard process where we both, both sides have to look at ourselves and repent and confess because our goal is not to have our relationships look like the world. It's not to have our relationships look the way they used to look. Our goal is to have our relationships the way that God wants them to look, the way he wants them to look. And we should always be aiming for that in our communication and everything. I remember like when I gave you the, the, the example of Karen and I and that discussion and conflict during our adoption, like God brought about restoration in our marriage. And part of that restoration was to see and to recognize that as one flesh, God is speaking to both of us, sometimes in different ways, but to lead us to the same conclusion that, that's made our communication or our home far better than it was before the conflict. I'm far, more, I'm far more willing to listen to my wife now than I ever have been before because I see how God was using her in that space. There's restoration there. A good, godly, helpful, beautiful restoration. Listen, we see that we are to seek that in Everything. Apart from the relationships between Jesus and the Father, there's not a perfect relationship in this room. There's not one that perfectly reflects what his intention is, what both sides are supposed to be. And the goal as Christians is to aim to see our lives, our homes, our churches restored to this kind of mutual love, mutual outdoing one another honor, mutual comfort for one another, mutual caring for the other person's perspective. We're supposed to see this in our friends, our kids, our spouses, our spiritual community. We're supposed to be marked by these things. We're to long for it, we're to pursue it. Part of this obviously has to happen through prayer. Remember Romans chapter 12 that we read this morning tells us to pray for our enemies, to pray for those that have hurt us. Are you doing that to those that you're in conflict with? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for them to be blessed? Are you praying for God's favor upon their lives? Are you praying that Lord would open your eyes to see any area of wrong in your heart while at the same time you're praying for them that the Lord would open up their eyes to see any areas of wrong in their heart? We're to be praying for them because we're seeking restoration. Not vengeance, not vindication, but restoration. And prayer is such an important part of that. Point seven is going to seem like an odd one, but it's the Sabbath well. This is the pre-work of conflict, meaning we do this before conflict arises. We do this in the midst of conflict, and I think this is one of the most important things that we can think about in our relationships, not just as spouses, but as the church, because what's the intent of the Sabbath? Maybe you're not familiar with the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given to the people of God very intentionally so that they would have a day out of every single week where they could trust in God's work, not theirs. Where they could be reminded of their dependence on him, not their dependence upon their own ability. Where they could be in a place where they could seek to bring restoration and, and community and fellowship underneath the sovereign, beautiful provision of God. Like, that was the intent of the Sabbath. And so here's the thing. Like, you may have heard the whole adage that families that laugh together stay together. I'd say the families that rest together also stay together. Right, like, that's the idea. And this isn't husbands, you resting while your wives do the work. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about setting a day aside where you can seek to be together with intimacy and reconnect. Because if you're living your lives running crazy, like constant, like most of us do, from one thing to the next. And if you're like me and my wife sometimes, we're like ships passing into the night, where you're like, hey babe, nice to see you. I'm taking Sam to this or I'm taking Ethan to this or I'm trying to fix dinner. We gotta clean this. And we got to get the kids to bed. Oh, we got to do homework. Like you know what that's like, right? Like as you do that, you're gonna get further and further and further apart. Meaning your ability to understand one another, to communicate to another also tends to get further and further and further apart. And God has said every week you should stop and you should come together and Sabbath well. Rest, put the phones away and look into each other's eyes, listen to their hearts, get connected to their hearts. And that's not just your families, that's with each other. Brothers and sisters to fellowship with each other. Like, we're to to be a people who Sabbath really well underneath the mercy and the grace of God. And some of our conflicts come directly from this failure in our lives. We're so busy, we're driving so hard that we're impatient, we're we're real quick to speak, and we can't just sit with one another. This should be happening in all of our lives. Now, I want to end here. There's hours of this that we could have more discussions about. But I think that these are things that you can take away. And, and then our takeaways, which if you're not familiar, each week we give these little takeaways, right? They're a little different this week because they just have the points that we talked about. You need to take these home and you talk about them in your own homes. Are you doing well? You need to evaluate in your own homes and relationships with other people in, your, in the church and in your coworkers and, and in your school and say, am I doing these things well and how can we do this better? Because this shouldn't just happen here. We should be asking, is there breakdowns in these steps, in areas of conflict that I'm experiencing right now? Can I just get a show of hands? How many of you are in some form of conflict right now? Just in anything. Like, there's a few. I, I'm guessing there's a lot more than raise their hands. Like, where's the breakdown? Where can you step into God's calling for your life? In the midst of that right now, let me just end with these questions, and then we're going to close with a song. Is your love genuine for the other side, for the other person? Is your love genuine for them? And they say, yeah, yeah, I love my wife. No, I mean like really genuine. Like, are you genuinely seeking to lay yourself down for the other person? the other side? Or have you become us and them? Are you seeking to outdo them in honor? Are you serving God or are you serving your agendas? Are you serving your rights? Or are you serving God and his desire for your home, for your life, for your marriage, for your work, for your school? Are you being constant in prayer in the midst of the conflict? Are you blessing those that are cursing you? Are you giving instead of demanding that someone gives to you? Are you seeking restoration? Or is vengeance vengeance and vindication the primary goal that you have? Like, church, these are things that we're called to walk in, and it's really hard. So, here's how I want to close this morning. Like, I want to close. Um, recognizing that, again, a lot of us have been in spaces of conflict. Some of us are in conflict right now. I'd say a lot of us are probably in some form of conflict right now. And you may be in a place where you're like, I I don't know how to get out of this. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And I I don't know what the steps are to do. And so this may be a moment for you to step into that help I talked about at the very beginning. And so during this time where we're going to sing a song, we're going to be available up here, elders, pastors, uh, prayer counselors to pray with you, maybe to talk with you, because you may need some help. You might, but I want to encourage you on a couple of different things. One, like you may be a Christian, and I want to be, as you're in the midst of conflict with other Christians, are you abiding in the reconciliating work that Jesus has done for you? And is your conflict, are you acting out in that conflict from that, or something else that's going on in your heart? But here's the other piece to it, too. Some of you in this room, you're still enemies, still enemies with the Lord, meaning you've never given yourself over to him, and and he's calling you to have peace with him. You're never going to be able to find consistent peace with other broken people apart from Jesus, and if you're in a place right now this morning where you're like, yeah, I still feel myself. I I have enmity with God, and, and I'm angry with him, and I'm not ready to give my life over to him. Like, he's saying, like, listen, I laid myself down for you. I gave of myself to you, I sacrificed myself for you. I died on a cross for you to reconcile you, to buy you back, to redeem you, to bring you back into the good graces. He's calling you into that. I'm gonna just encourage you this morning. Like maybe, maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe as we sing, you need to go to somebody else in this, this space. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a friend. Maybe it's a brother or sister in Christ and you need to bring reconciliation. You said, say, listen, I want to work on this. I want to bring re- restoration to this problem. But we want to be here to help and to pray over you. And so I'm going to pray. And then as we close, if you want prayer, you want to talk to somebody, like, please don't be shy to do that. Like, we, we shouldn't be ashamed to be like, man, sometimes we just need help. Sometimes we just need prayer. And let's do that um, as elders. Pray with me. Father, um, I, I, there's so much that could be said. And I wish in so many ways we could spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on this. And maybe we should do more of it. But Lord, you desire us to be a people of peace. You don't desire us to be a people who quarrel among ourselves. You don't desire marriages to be marked by conflict and aggression and fighting. You desire us to be one with one another to live in peace with one another. So Lord, I just want to pray. Lord, if, if there's hard hearts this morning, would you soften them? Father, would you help us to be people of humility? Would you help us be people that are willing to repent? People that are willing to love the way you've loved us. Father, people that are willing to seek restoration the way you've called us to. Father, I want to pray that you would help us to be reminded of our state before you came to us. Many of us didn't want to have anything to do with you. Many of us hated you. We broke your commands. We did the things we wanted to do. We lived in sin. We doubted your existence. We did all those things. And yet, in that state, you died for us. You sought peace. You humiliated yourself. You let yourself be stripped naked and put on a cross for those that were doing that to you. And I want us to have that spirit in our, in our lives and our homes because it's a beautiful thing. And so Lord, this morning, as we close and we are reminded that we need to be coming to you for this help, we need to be abiding in you and this help, Lord, I just want to pray that if there's conflict here, Lord, would you just of boldness, to let people step out, to get the help they need to be able to find the peace that you want for them. The peace that you want in their homes, and their lives. The peace that you want between you and them. Now, some of them may just feel that turmoil. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to be bold. Father, I want to pray that you would continue to speak to us in the next couple of moments. Pray and ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus.